Welcome back, everyone, to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Mark Faulkner, Assistant Sports Editor at the Detroit News, and I'll be joined in a minute by Ted Colfin, our Red Wings beat reporter. Today is a special podcast, a bonus podcast on former Red Wing Bob Probert, who passed away 10 years ago on July 5th, 2010. He died of a heart attack at age 45 while boating on Lake St. Clair. For those younger listeners who don't know much about Probert, he was one of the most popular and polarizing figures on the Detroit sports scene about 30 years ago. For nine years from 1985 to 94, Probert was the NHL's undisputed heavyweight champion and underrated power forward who helped lead the resurgent Red Wings to -to back-to-back final four appearances against Wayne Gretzky and the Stanley Cup champion Edmonton Oilers. In fact, in 1988, he broke Gordie Howe's 33-year-old record from the 1955 title team for most points in the playoffs. Probert had 21 points in 16 playoff games. He was also a former NHL All-Star who often played on a line with Steve Eiserman and Gerard Gallant and is still the team's all-time leader in penalty minutes with 2,090. After being suspended by the NHL in the 1994-95 season for violating the league's substance abuse policy, he finished his 16-year career by playing seven seasons with the Chicago Blackhawks. So, Ted, how about your thoughts on Bob Probert, a player you said you didn't really cover in Detroit, but you heard so much about once he signed with Chicago and then retired in 2002? Mark, I've had a couple people tell me over the years that had he played a few more years, had he obviously, you know, stayed clean and whatnot, Mm -hmm. talking about a potential Hall of Fame player, I mean, just the hands. I mean, people would marvel at those hands, not to mention his ability. He's probably the best fighter Mm -hmm. in the game. So, I mean, you got one of the toughest players to ever play the game with rare offensive ability. I mean, it was quite quite the combination of talent. I mean, it's it's just too bad that things didn't work out better because – I mean, this guy could have been an incredible, incredible talent in this league. He was. I mean, he had some marvelous, marvelous years. He came in that era where the Wings really became huge in this market. And, uh, boy, he did. He he was an exciting player in a lot of different – people love fighting in hockey. Bottom line, people love fighting in hockey, and nobody did it better than Bob Probert. Well, coming up, we'll hear from Stu Grimson, the NHL Network analyst, a lawyer and former player who fought Probert more than any other player. 13 times they went toe-to-toe. We'll also give away two copies of Stu Grimson's book, The Grim Reaper, The Life and Career of a Reluctant Warrior. Just leave your favorite Bob Probert story on our Octopulse Facebook page, and you'll be eligible for a random draw. Time now for Stu Grimson. Joining us now is Stu Grimson, a former Red Wing, a lawyer and analyst with the NHL Network and author of The Grim Reaper, The Life and Career of a Reluctant Warrior. In your book, Stu, you talk about Bob Probert, a friend and foe, your fiercest rival on the ice. You guys fought 
13 times. For Bob, it was the most of his 238 career fights. You had 268 fights. I want to go back to the first fight, setting the stage, New Year's Eve and the annual New Year's Eve game here in Detroit, 1990 at Joe Lewis Arena. So Bob Probert had been in the league for five years. He was an NHL All-Star in 1988. He had broken Gordie Howe's playoff scoring record. And he already had 83 fights before he fought you that night. In the first period, Probert had an elbowing penalty, Stu. In the second period, he had a roughing penalty with Bob McGill. And then at 13-11 of the second period, you got five minutes for fighting and the extra two minutes for instigating the fight. So lots of fights, 13 of them. But do you remember that first one? Oh, I do. I remember it quite well. I was uh, relatively new to the Blackhawks, and I think we had played Detroit at least one time already earlier that season. Mm-hmm. But of course, Bob's, uh, Bob's reputation precedes him, and really, arguably back then, was the heavyweight champion of the NHL. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of a, uh, a, I suppose, a, a difficult label to give anybody because anybody in that category is really capable Mm -hmm. of of beating anyone else but but Bob was a a very fierce competitor and a fearsome opponent and uh you know I I knew I had my hands full going into it had seen plenty of his his past fights I knew what he was all about and he had this peculiar advantage too of during the fight he kind of had this ability to slip out of um you know, his jersey, even his elbow pads. And then, you know, tactically where a hockey fight is concerned, if, right, got, right. if, you're, if you're fighting essentially a naked opponent on the other side, there's not much to grab. There's not much in terms of the leverage uh, the other guy has or you have. And uh, and that was the case where, where Bob was concerned. I held my own. I give him the probably the, the decision in that one. He came out on top in that one, probably landed more than he took. but. Um, I, I came away very impressed just, uh, again, how skilled he was at, at that particular thing. And I think, you know, impressed and then somewhat um, encouraged at the same time, because I think for, for many of us as enforcers, you get this, you, you build up this image of some of the, the, the other heavyweights you're tangling with as though these guys are larger than life. Yes, Bob was a fearsome opponent, but I did in that first bout kind of gain a sense, oh, well, wait a minute, he's, he's lifelike or, or, you know, he's, he's life-sized just mm-hmm. in terms of who he is as an opponent. He's not larger than life. So that was a bit of a breakthrough for me in, in many ways. In Bob's book, he said that you improved every fight. He said you were in great shape, that you found your edge by lasting a long time in these fights. He said your weakness might have been your balance early on that you would spin around a bit off your feet. What kind of reputation do you think Bob had? You mentioned, uh, Stu, you know, the equipment would come off. I I saw one of those fights between the two of you. You guys went toe-to-toe and up against the glass, and you didn't step down, and and I don't think Bob – expected anything less from anybody else yeah I think if if, you know to to characterize Bob just in terms of you know what attributes or or what advantages he had if we Mm -hmm. focus on just the heavyweight um you know enforcer part of it he was really good with with both hands you know um 
you might even call a guy like Bob ambidextrous in that he didn't really seem to have, I mean, I'm sure his right was his dominant hand, but he, he seemed to throw with both uh, equally hard and, and equally kind of skillfully. So, you know, he was, he was a lot to manage then uh, to a tactic for us often as, as fighters, as we try to tie up the power hand of our opponent. Well, with Bob, you know, that was kind of shifting sand. He was, uh, you know, it, it was a little bit like this, this, the side of a mountain falling down on top of you. He <laughs> would like, how do you contain this guy? But he was strong. Uh, he was very, uh, he had great balance. He was really sturdy on his feet and he was equal parts uh, a good grappler in that he could get you off balance. And he, again, you know, I kind of come back to that, that one, I think, feature attribute, which was he was, he was great with both hands as a, just as a slugger or a puncher. And Stu, on the ice, if you could sort of put it into context or tell young hockey fans about a player, 935 games, 163 goals, I recall talking to Bob the year he went to the All-Star game. We just went over a play, Stu, that he came over the line against uh, Washington, against Rod Langway. He kind of did a button hook, pulled up, waited for the trailer. Another trailer hit the third person coming in. And he had good vision. He could skate well. But I wonder what your thoughts are about somebody who almost took that enforcer role to a new level for a, a period of time, especially when he was in Detroit. Yeah, Mark, I, I'm very fond of saying I don't know that there will ever be anyone quite like Bob Prober. To me, mm-hmm. um, this this is a guy who, and too, you know, for, for many years, you would have made the argument he really was, uh, if not the heavyweight champion of the NHL he was among the most feared heavyweights in the NHL now that's that's a pretty lofty title because mm-hmm. we're talking about an era of the game where just about every team in the league had one or two guys that looked like you know Bob or myself so so that's you know that's a that's a very uh, very different era but the point that I'm making is as as Feared as he was just in the physical part mm-hmm. of the game, Bob was very skilled as, as a player. Um, he was, you know, defensively responsible in his own end. Um, you know, a lot of this had to do with the space he got uh, as, you know, given his physical reputation. But, but Bob was, was a, a, uh, a real handful in the offensive zone as well because uh, he used his body well. I mean, mm-hmm. he had great skills as a passer, as a shooter, but he used his body well to protect the puck. He was um, dogged and determined in terms of, uh, you know, the way he kind of forechecked and would recover pucks for the the Red Wings or the Blackhawks, depending on, you know, what period of time we're talking about. But I'm very fond of saying I don't know if there's ever been one quite like Bob Probert, just in terms of this this blend of both skill and and physical you know dominance. Uh, I, I don't know if there's ever been anyone quite like him, nor will there be again. Bob came within a whisker of scoring goal, 30 goals in the NHL. He was an all-star at an earlier stage in his career. But really through every moment in his, in his career, Bob was a 
you know, he was a second line, first line player. He was a top six guy. And Stu, off the ice, you said you guys became friends. Uh, back in 1983 at the uh, Hotel Pontchartrain in downtown Detroit here, you were there with the draft class, Steve Eiserman, Joey Koser, Lane Lambert, Peter Klima, yourself. In 1992, in your book, you talk about the playoffs, being at a diner in Chicago, Boogie's Diner. And, and in 2008 in Afghanistan, you guys went over and supported the troops. What was Bob like off the ice, uh, Stu? I really liked Bob. I, I, I got to know him better once we both kind of hung up our skates, which was around uh, close to the same time, mm -hmm. uh, retired from, from active play in the NHL. But, um, you know, it was, it was interesting. I mean, for me, I don't know if Proby would have shared this same sentiment, but it was a little bit like looking in a mirror. You know, we, we were the same age we were essentially the same body type. We kind of grew up in the same era, drafted by the same team, and went on to play very, very similar roles in the game. And, of course, locked horns. Uh, there's nobody Proby fought more than me over the course of his career, and the same is true of me going the other way. So, you know, it was a little bit like brotherhood, just looking across mm -hmm. the ice at Proby on, on, on any given night. And then getting the chance to get to know him better in a, in a deeper way, uh, that really came after we both walked away from the game. And it was really that, that trip you mentioned to Afghanistan together. Got a chance to, to, to really appreciate Bob's character away from the game and came to know him as just a, you know, a great, big, affable, um, easy, easygoing guy that, uh, that, that anybody could, could relate to. And, and I suppose, you know, the one thing that, that, that really resonated most with me, and this kind of came after Bob's passing, um, to get a chance to see each of his four children uh, pay their respects to their father in a, you know, in, in a really, I guess, impactful way at his funeral. And me sitting there listening to these stories uh, of his children described the the impact that he had had on their lives and the longing they had for him it really struck home to me and again you know kind of comes up this other similar attribute he raised a, a young family of four children i raised a family of four young children who were mm. very close in age uh, i i just couldn't help but but really be impacted by that so um you know i i have nothing but fond memories about bob and and you know, I'm I'm fond of talking about of, of talking about his legacy to the game. Bob died uh, July 5th, 2010. Stu, uh, the 10 year anniversary is coming up. Uh, he died of a heart attack at age 45 uh, while boating on Lake St. Clair. And his wife Danny has helped raise 1.2 million dollars in nine years with the Bob Probert motorcycle ride. What was it like when you found out? You came down as you mentioned uh, for the funeral and listen to his children brogan tyranny jack and declan talk about their dad but uh it's been 10 years and a lot of people that we're uh, talking to uh it just on one hand it's been very heartbreaking uh as danny says but it's been bittersweet as well where yeah uh, she's she she doesn't look too far in the future now and they felt that one of bob's final gifts was to, to remind them to live in the Live in the present, and I wonder what your thoughts are 10 years later. Yeah, you know, Mark, I, I couldn't 
help but be impacted and continue to be uh, to have this lasting impression. You know, for, for many of us, and I speculate that Bob would would share these same words. For many of us that played that role, we we enjoyed our careers in the NHL. We, you know, the, the NHL has opened up many many doors for me, and and I know that's true of. Uh, would have been true of Bob as well. And, and the point I'm making, Mark, is as much as we enjoyed our careers, um, there is a downside to, to the life of an NHL enforcer. It's not an easy role to play. It can be certainly physically taxing. It is mm-hmm. most definitely emotionally taxing. And, and the point I'm making is that, you know, when you play the game and then leave the game and, and get a chance to kind of leave that some of the dread and some of that emotional anxiety behind you, you get a chance to appreciate um, a life and almost a, a different sense of peace. I mean, my life today, as much as I enjoy playing in the NHL, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I must tell you, I, I appreciate and enjoy each day of my life 3x, 4x, 5x of what I, I did back then, simply because I don't have to deal with the anxiety that comes with uh, the life that, you know, the heavyweight enforcer kind of has to, that burden that the heavyweight enforcer has to carry with them. So, I, I'm, I'm telling you in a long-winded way, I, mm-hmm. I enjoy my yeah. life uh, more today than I think I did at any point in my past. And I know that Bob, having walked a similar path, having the, you know, the riches of a family like he does or did, uh, he would he'd be articulating those same things today. That, that really is my, yeah. my one lasting regret that Bob... Uh, his, his life was lost at such an early age. Stu, thanks uh, so much for your time today and sharing these memories about Bob, how your careers almost paralleled each other's and also what it was like being a reluctant warrior. We don't know if Bob was a reluctant warrior, but you certainly articulated some feelings about that role. And of course, he had the additional role of being a top line forward and things like that. And we also have a couple of copies of your book to give away to our listeners. The details will be in the show notes. So once again, Stu, thanks again for your time today and all the best moving forward. Stay safe. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you so much. It's uh, been a pleasure to be part of the conversation. So Ted, what do you make of Probert and Grimson and one of the toughest jobs in hockey, you know, fighting was up a bit this year, 388 fights, only eight by the wings, but There appears to be room for enforcers, even today, enforcers like Tom Wilson and Ryan Reeves. A lot of people said it's the toughest job there was in hockey. I mean, if you look at the kids that died recently, what the Derek Bugard and uh, Mm -hmm. a couple other kids that died, I mean, playing that role, it's a tough, tough job to be asked to do that every night. Maybe that was one of the reasons that it got to Probert like that. I mean, you, you never know, but my goodness. I mean, think about it, going into a game every night, expecting to fight, maybe a couple of fights. It takes a toll mentally and physically. In wrapping up, we'll have bonus coverage in the paper and online at DetroitNews.com. There's 24 photos from our archives for a photo gallery on number 24, Bob Probert. We also talked to his wife, Danny Probert, who has helped raise $1.2 million 
in nine years with the Bob Probert motorcycle ride for cardiac care in Windsor and Essex County. And there's also a Red Wings oral history with comments from former teammates, opponents, uh, coaches, and front office personnel. The four topics of discussion are his wife, Danny, his death on July 5th, 2010, and his life on and off the ice. The guests are Mark Trees LaForest, a former teammate with the Calder Cup champion Adirondack Red Wings, Ryan Vandebush, a former teammate and roommate with the Chicago Blackhawks, Dave Hutchison, the next NHL defenseman who traveled with Probert to Kandahar, Afghanistan to visit Canadian and American troops. Don Cherry will also comment on Bob Probert. He's the former NHL coach and ex-color commentator on Hockey Night in Canada. We'll hear from former Red Wings assistant coach Don McAdam, who was with the team from 86 to 89. Jimmy Devolano will talk, too, about his goals of drafting the next Clark Gillies. Devolano was the GM who drafted Probert in 1983. We'll also hear from Stu Grimson and Gerard Gallant, a former linemate with the Red Wings. That'll do it for our back-to-back podcast. Our podcast last week on the Red Wings dropping to fourth in the draft lottery was among our most popular podcasts this year. Thanks again for the support and for listening. You can sign up for that free Stu Grimson book on our podcast page. And Ted, we'll be taking a couple of weeks off. So enjoy your vacation, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Sounds good. You too, Mark.